Hey, what is up, people? Welcome back. This week on the show, I spoke with Roosevelt Belton Jr., also known as RBJ. He is the host of Friday Night Groove on 88.3 WXOU, and he came on the show this week to talk everything music. He's a super chill guy, had a really great time talking to him. I think it's nice to have a conversation about something that I think is really important in all our lives and, and integral, I would say. So hope you kick back, hope you relax, enjoy the interview. Um, hope you all are staying safe out there with COVID. And that's all I got. So without further ado, here's RBJ. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Why don't you do me a favor and introduce yourself just like you do on your show? Okay. And what your acronym is. <laughs> everyone, Hello, everyone. My name is Roswell Belton Jr., better known as RBJ for short. Host of Friday Night Groove on 88.3 WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Yes. You definitely have that radio voice, man. <laughs> Why don't you throw a photo of your face up on your website, though? Uh, You're kind of a man of mystery to me. Kind of. Well, it wasn't meant like, that's just kind of like boring to me. Like, I know what my face looks like, so. Oh, yeah. you shouldn't say that. No, <laughs> you're you're a handsome man, right? Uh -huh. We have a friend who uh, connected us. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Laura. What's up, Laura? What up, Laura? Um, yeah, she she just said you're a good dude, and you know, I was waiting for you to show up. I was like, I wonder what this guy looks like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everybody's gonna see once I post that photo, though. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about Friday Night Groove. When did this start? Uh, you know, is this uh, kind of a job or is it a passion project for you? Or a passion project. Um, Started back in 2011 when I was uh, attending Oakland University. That's where the uh, station is based out of. Um, yeah, I was just looking for a way to just get connected to the college. Um, as far as, you know, like why I was going to college, like just looking for extra extracurriculars. And, and always like, <clears throat> I remember I was with my mom. We were like, at, <laughs> we were like at Subway. And like the woman that was fixing our sandwiches, that like, yeah, you have a nice voice. Like you should maybe get in the radio. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is that a compliment or an yeah, insult? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You got so. a great face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, WXOU is just like it's been like that open for format station. Um, like just let everyone in, and I was like, why not just do that? And just went from there. How do you secure that spot? Is it something that you got to rent? Is it something that you know? I, I mean, you tell me. Do you have to at WXOU? You have to pre-record for about six months. Um, so you like basically sign up. Um, they bring you in. You cut a demo of like basically what you want to do, what you're gonna sound like, what your show is gonna be. They listen to that. Then they say, you know, then they say, you know, what you want to do is good. You know, we're gonna bring you on, and then then you have to like pre-record, and the pre-record spots are pretty much like. I think from like 10 to like 8 a.m. So you're probably going to be like at midnight, something like that. It's just a spot to get you started. It's not going to be like the big like airtime spot. So when I started, I started like at 1 a.m. Um, from like they just wanted to. So most people, when they start, they're like doing that for like six months. I did it for about a year because I got like a kind of like weird like in-between spot. So um yeah, that's mostly how people like secure spots at first. And then after that six months, um, they kind of revisit what you want to do. And then they talk about getting you on to the, like the, uh, the FM spot and that's live radio. Oh, wow. So there's gotta be some pressure there because you got to come with it when you're in that six month kind of, uh, 
It'll just call it maybe like an interview phase almost, you know, like trial phase, right? Yeah, yeah. Like every uh, every show you watch on TV has a pilot, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's cool, man. So obviously it's stuck. Um, are, are you a product of OU? Yeah. Um, graduated there. Uh, got my ba- um, bachelor's and master's. Damn, man. Yeah. Good for you. So so what did you get it in? Was it, you know, this audio engineering that, that you're in? I mean, tell me more. <laughs> Not at all. Um, ba- bachelor's was in psychology and master's was in communication so oh, it's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm toast i'm screwed no. man you're gonna psychoanalyze me man no no I, I, I picked up nothing so you know just going off on a tangent that's what i'm hoping we can do with this conversation mm-hmm. i uh i i have like a yearly doctor's appointment that i go to mm-hmm. and they were asking me about stress levels i was like you know yeah i've been i've been having some stress you know just uh you know not necessarily with covid but kind of you know but just I don't know. I just, you know, kind of feel anxious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just kind of like a life thing. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, we want to uh, refer you to like this psychotherapist, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll talk about myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they're probably pushing that a lot more these days because mm-hmm. of, you know, the quarantine was a while ago, but now we're still in COVID and mm-hmm. we have restrictions and masks and vaccinations. I think it, I think it wears on people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, we're like, what, two years in? Um, when we started, we, did you think we were going to be two years in? No. No. So it was, people are like just constantly readjusting their expectations and the future. They want, so I think it's, people want something a little bit certain right now. Things are just not certain and that's going to just going to wear on on everybody. Do you think we're going to ever get back to a time when it was like 2019? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, that's why I think it's like wearing on people. Um, because they want, I think people at a certain level want what they had before. And like knowing that you're probably never going to have that back is something that will bother anybody. Um, so it's for me personally, um, I don't think we're going to have that back, but will we have something maybe better. I think so. I think I'm still like hopeful for that. But as far as like the feelings or like the, security you had um i don't really think so i don't think we're ever going back yeah i think the repercussion from covid is going to be decades long mm-hmm. i mean yeah. just entire generations i mean i feel as an adult i can take it you know mm-hmm. we're, we're very uh resilient people just mm-hmm. as humans in general but mm-hmm. you know with kids you know it's it's a sad thing to see kids missing their senior year or you know maybe they're they're getting momentum in their sport, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're looking forward to being uh, in college. I mean, college was one of the best times of my life, and yeah. and to have to stay at home your freshman or sophomore year, I, in my opinion, is devastating. Yeah, yeah. But I do think uh, we we're never going back. Those things, those luxuries that we had of uh, being in like a packed restaurant or a bar, mm-hmm. even though that might not necessarily be considered a luxury, quote mm-hmm. unquote. <laughs> We're just not going back to it, man. Yeah. And now it's it's a scary time seeing everything that's happening with uh, <sighs> supply chain, mm-hmm. uh, things in stores. Yeah. You know, you I think you come to appreciate it more because being in the first world, we have all the luxuries we want at our fingertips. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So how did it affect you personally? Um, it wasn't crazy. Um, I think it did. Like it did affect me. Um, because you know you have a point in your life where. I guess it's kind of like, it's hard to explain, um, but it, it's just that complete, like, just 
Oh, I guess I'll be talking to millennials here, but I guess it kind of feels like 9-11 almost where you have that complete like paradigm shift as far as how everything is just going to go from there. So That's a great metaphor. Yeah. So that's this is probably for, I guess, Zoomers or whatever. This is close to like 9-11 is what it's going to feel, but for me, this that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, and, and we've been through both, right? Yeah. And uh yeah, dude, it's it's a trip, man. It's it's it was certainly a, a time of fear and uncertainty and, and this show has been a product of, of COVID. Yeah. You know, it got to a point for me where I was like, uh, you know, crap, I, I don't know what this thing is. I don't know what the mortality rate is. It could be mm-hmm. ten or thirty X what yeah. it was. Yeah, and yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to die with any regrets, so I want to do something true to myself and you know, I, I kind of relate it to what you're doing with Friday Night Groove, and you're doing this passion project. You said since 2011? Mm-hmm. That's a long time to be doing that, man. You've been yeah. doing this 10 years, huh? Yeah, yeah. Has it changed much? Almost every year. Um, I would say, like, the biggest change happened around, probably around 2019. That's when I really started to, like, push it out to other people as far as, like, inviting guests on. Um Prior to that, I really wasn't, like, that out with it. It was more just kind of like, it was, I wouldn't say I kept it secret, but I just kind of, I didn't tell anyone too much because I think I had this kind of anxiety because I had, you know, you know, been past graduation, but you're still doing this kind of. And so I think I had it, like, um, some kind of, I guess, like, concept or, like, maybe, like, shame ahead of us, like, you know, I'm like this, 29-year-old dude, a 28-year-old, 27-year-old dude still doing a college radio show. But what really kind of, like, got that out is just, like, when I decided to just to share it, like, people always responded. Like, they always, like, listened to it. And then it's like, like, yo, this is dope. Like, you know, keep doing this, keep doing this. And then I think around 2019, that's when I really kind of, like, decided to, like, share it more. Um, <clears throat> as far as, like, social media, um interviews stuff like that um that's when i think it really kind of a big change of like turning point for as far as like getting me here um yeah what was that threshold um i would say around 2017 i started a um, associate producer position for this show on wdt called the progressive underground and being in that environment um being under the, you know, the host, uh, Chris Campbell, he's been doing this for like, he's very similar to what I do. And I think being in an environment where you see someone doing what you want to do, doing it well, and that kind of gives you ideas of how you can like take that back for yourself as far as like, you know, this is how you do this. This is how you talk to guests. This is how you you know, get people in the studio. This is how you interview people. Um, this is how you like run music. This is how you run segments. Doing that really kind of got me more comfortable with the idea of making this like, I guess, a little bit more professional. That's great. Yeah. So, so did you have that kind of mental conflict of, uh, you know, judgment from maybe family or friends, and that's no. kind of why you kept it, you know, quiet for a little bit? No, no, that was all in my head. Um, I've always had support from my family. My dad, <laughs> he listens, like, to every show um, <laughs> that I do. Um, but I've always had, like, encouragement. It is just something that I had to get, o- get over in my head as far as, like, 
you know, people like this that put this out there. So I know that people typically in general, when it comes to any type of uh, art, like to compartmentalize things, put them in a box. Mm -hmm. But how would you kind of compartmental, uh, compartmentalize uh, the, the format of the show and, and what type of music you play? I would say it is the beginnings, not beginnings, but it's the the roots and the the future of what people would consider black music. Wow. Yeah. How do you how do you damn that's that's a pretty uh that's a pretty powerful statement, but mm -hmm. how do you judge where that ebb and flow is? Mm -hmm. Because people's musical tastes are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Uh what's being put out there is constantly changing. Yeah. And how do you know when something works and doesn't work? Uh, that's something that I decide um, because my number one rule for radio or doing anything creative is that you don't put anything out there that you wouldn't listen to. So I'm not, it's not, I don't want to get myself into a situation where I'm sort of like molding what I want to do to others' expectations. Those are something that's going to, are going to come from me. So that's something that I'm going to decide as far as maybe what I want to play, what I want to do, and what I want to platform. So you don't want to get into a situation where he's like, you know, I'm like in an ivory tower, but at the same time, like, you have to have that confidence to kind of, kind of decide, like, what you think is dope. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're pushing that envelope every single week. I'm trying to. It's just, if it's something, I just try to go by feeling. Um if it moves me, I'm just going to play it. I like that. Yeah. So how would you categorize it, though? I mean, it's uh, there's some electronic in there, but, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it's, it's soulful, yet there's some jazz. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say maybe try to resist categorizing. It's just that when you go by feeling and when you know what you want to do, those are really just going to guide you so Maybe some weeks is going to be more electronic, some weeks is going to be jazzy, some weeks is going to be indie, some weeks is going to be everything. But I think when you kind of have that that confidence or that desire or that vision, that's really everything is going to be under that. Where do you draw a lot of your inspiration from? Really just loving music. Um, it really doesn't get farther, um, like further than that. You can't fake that. Um, you know, you listen to hundreds of hours of music, it hasn't come out somewhere. And <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that. I was yeah. like, dang, man, like there's a lot of material in your show. And mm -hmm. I, I love how it, it transcends a lot of categories. Like you said, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a feeling. And I was wondering to myself, listening to your show, I was like, damn, man, like how much time does it take to put together an hour long segment? The, Benefit of that is that an hour long allows you to be like more cohesive, but um, I would say it doesn't. It definitely takes you more than an hour to put out an hour, um, and that's just based on my own expectations as far as what I want it to sound like. So it just, that's just going to make me work even harder as far as just trying to find music, um, trying to make things like sound cohesive. Um, so just not just like just mixing everything together. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no. Yeah, you yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, do that sharp inhale. I yeah. just want to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, yeah, trying to make things so sound cohesive is just um, 
the biggest thing as far as, you know, you, you talk about, you know, electronic, soul, and maybe a little bit indie, maybe some rock, but, you know, how do you make that into, like, an hour? And how do you make that something that's going to have, like, a start, a beginning, and an end? So, like, so people can keep listening and they're not, like, being jarred from, like, one segment to another. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It does have flow, right? So do you have this all pre-prepared, or are you are you in the studio with a pre-prepared kind of set, and then you're also kind of tweaking it, adding to it maybe? No, no, no tweaking. No, no tweaking. Not, no, no lie. Everything's, you thrash before you get to the studio. Then when you get into the studio, that's when everything flies. Okay. Yeah. Wow, man, I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you've gotten f- positive feedback on your show. I'd imagine, I mean, you've been doing it for 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is uh what has been some stuff you've been listening to recently? Oh man, I've been getting to what some people on the other side of the pine called um, UK garage. Um, for us, that'd be UK garage. So that's um, garage. Yeah, garage. Garage. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So I've been trying to get into that. Um, that's a lot of music that kind of. If you listen to my show recently, I've been like kind of starting off with a couple of tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you hear that sound recently, that's that's what that is. Do you find that that's uh, something that's kind of becoming more popular? Like what what kind of uh, I I know we we run the risk of categorizing things, and mm-hmm. I, I just think it's an easy way for people to kind of understand it and digest it. But what do you think are maybe some music trends that that we're seeing bubbling mm-hmm. to the top more than others? Mm, more than others, um, or maybe that are just that are slowly, slowly mm-hmm. rising up? I would say, I think, as far as the MLA house and techno, I think those are kind of bubbling up. Um, probably not to levels that, you know, the average person would understand, but I would say, um, as far as just electronic and dance music in general, I think as far as, like, the influence they're having on other genres, that is something that's has probably been huge past couple of years. Yeah. I... I think that, and I, I could be completely wrong on this, but I, I do see more of a shift towards more electronic type music, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think maybe that that uh, lends credence to more of like a drug culture. Mm-hmm. You know, every one of these states across the U.S. has uh, music festivals, right? Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, people are letting loose and having fun. I would say we're in an age of more of like a psychedelic renaissance where. Mm-hmm. People are experimenting, you know, again with LSD and and things like mushrooms. So when it relates to music, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it's 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 not just like a, a single song with mm-hmm. lyrics. A lot of it's just you know, it's a beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I would I would say that for sure. Yeah. I also noticed going to a couple of music festivals myself. I hope hope I didn't just implicate myself just then, <laughs> but um, I noticed that even bands uh, that are just how do I put this? Maybe maybe rock bands. Mm-hmm. They will have a set that they do like at these music festivals that are more kind of electronically slanted, mm-hmm. based on the audience that you're playing for. Yeah, which I find is really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess it's something that people want to see nowadays because I guess it's always been with us um, because it's a more accessible form of music as far as you know. You talk about the beat. Um, everyone understands, like, you know, four on the floor. Um, so it's, it's something that, to a certain degree, um, something that can appeal to everyone. Um, you can, you know, you talk about maybe EDM, that's a little bit more for a harder side, but it can also be, you know, a softer side, maybe more like um, like a deep house sort of thing. But, yeah, I think that's something that people want to make space for because it's just, 
I think we're getting to a point now that that's something that is like I said accessible. That's something that a lot of more artists can get into. They don't necessarily need a band. They don't necessarily need, you know, um, physical talent like a voice or anything like that. That's a great point. Yeah. So it's something that there's just so much more artists getting into, and, and I think it's when you have like that kind of maybe flood of artists, and you know they all have their kind of little following. So you know if you're if you're a festival. You know, why would you, if you're, if you're not kind of like, you know, you're not a blues festival, you're not like a rock festival, you're kind of like a all festival, like, why wouldn't you have that kind of floor? Yeah, it makes sense. It, yeah. it completely does. You know, you don't have to, you know, find a bassist or my, my drummer sucks, so I got to find another <laughs> one. You know what I mean? And you can, you can make that music from your laptop today, mm-hmm. which is nuts. What do you think about certain things like jazz? Because jazz is, I mean, it's been said for a long time that jazz is dying right do mm-hmm. you find that in a sense you're kind of a torchbearer for that no not at all really no nah, um more participant um there are torchbearers and it would be remiss on myself to say it like i'm i'm a torchbearer um to be honest i don't really play like the kind of jazz that i see is um <clears throat> is kind of really uh leading the way but I wouldn't say jazz is dying. I'll say it's more like it's been more alive than other. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like jazz too. I'm just not up with the scene. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not going to like Cliff Bell's in Detroit and listening to <laughs> you know new groups and whatnot. Yeah. I appreciate that. When you say that you're you're kind of tailoring your show to what African Americans listen to, mm-hmm. why do you do you feel a sense of responsibility in that? You know why why are you doing it just for that subset of the population? I wouldn't say just for black people, but I say it's um, music that has roots in black expression. Um, so it's something that, for me personally, I see like all music has roots in, you know, black contributions. Um, and so I, connecting those dots a little bit, um, maybe not overtly, but maybe more of a little subtly. Um, that's something that I see because that's something that I feel like as a black person that there's something that kind of speaks to me as far as when I listen to a song and I hear something that, you know, I can pick up on. That's something that something that feels like innate that can that I can't describe it, but it's something that speaks to, you know, maybe my soul or what I just what I love. When did it start for you? Um you know, you said music has always been a constant in your life, mm-hmm. but I mean, was there a, ever a time that you can remember when you were a kid where you're like, yeah, where you were introduced to something, an artist or music? Yeah, um, my dad has just always been like a huge like musical influence. My mom as well. She, she's more on like performance side. She used to sing in a church, um, but she I think she retired like years ago. But as far as like just listening to music and consuming music and playing music, like my dad just been like a huge influence. Um, so he has like a like a man cave situation in like in the basement. <laughs> he has like this huge sound system down there and the house that we've always lived in. And just growing up, I can you know, I'd be upstairs with my brother, like we'd be playing video games, but like, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, like he'd be when he gets off work, he's hitting the sound system, he's playing. What do you be listening to? He's listening to like um like I can remember like Erica Badu, um, the stylistics, um, you know, he I've I think I first heard um, 
uh, what's the song called? Um, Dreams by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, yeah. yeah. I first heard that when I was a kid, but him playing that. Yeah. So he's always kind of been out there as well. Um, he doesn't really restrict himself too much, but, you know, he's more like in solar RB, but he does, like, you know, he listens to, like, you know, he had a little, not a huge, but a little electron- electronic bent, um, but that's really where, like, my learning how to, like, consume music and just getting the music just came from just listening to him. So clearly that rubbed off on you. Yeah, yeah. In multiple genres. Yeah. Awesome, multiple. Yeah, I um I got introduced to Fleetwood Mac when I was in college. I feel yeah. like I was late hearing it. I, <laughs> you know, I had a girlfriend who who had a dad mm-hmm. that was a you know hippie in the 70s and, mm-hmm. and she's like you gotta listen to this i was like damn i was like it is i mean it's, it is what it is man i yeah. mean that has carried forward uh you know decade after decade you remember in quarantine there was that that uh that dude on the skateboard mm-hmm. and he was what was he drinking he was drinking his ocean spray yeah, and yeah. he was he was lip-syncing into uh-huh. to, to dreams yeah Fleetwood <laughs> mac that's great man yeah. i love it um th- that's really cool mm-hmm. i i can't tell you like May, uh, my personal experience, my you know, but I had a lot of brothers that listened to like big hair rock music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe my mom when I was younger listened to like some you know Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's funny <laughs> because that stuck with me. You know, yeah. I, I am a Neil Diamond fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would see his ass in concert if yeah. he came. Uh, no, yeah. uh, you know, I went to a church recently in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been kind of exploring, you know what I mean? Like want to become part of like the community in Detroit Mm -hmm. and, uh, having other people on, you know, they've, they've told me talking about the history of Detroit, that Detroit is really a faith-based community. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, the point is that I, I, I went to this church and it was different from the Catholic upbringing that I had Mm -hmm. and it was much more musical. Mm -hmm. It was like a concert. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is crazy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they have the sermon, you know, they give the, the announcements, but a lot of it was like it was like a legit concert, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All young people, you know, you know, like young girl on the bass, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny for a minute because the the lead singer, of course, he had like this uh, acoustic guitar, and he had this hair, you know, this shoulder length hair, trying mm-hmm. to look like Jesus. I'm like, man, you're not Jesus. <laughs> like, come on. But it was good. I'm like, these these guys are talented. So yeah. I think uh, that that music is is used in in churches like that, just to, to draw younger audiences, mm-hmm. right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I think music, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, really uh, transcends age, mm-hmm. transcends uh, different demographics, mm-hmm. race, socioeconomic upbringings, mm-hmm. and it's something that unites us. Yeah. And I think it makes sense why they have it in church, then, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. So what do you think? Um, As far as just, like, music and how it connects us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I mean, who have you met that said, like, I don't like music and didn't think they You'd were a You'd be surprised, psychopath. dude. You'd be surprised. Really? Yeah, man, really? I've had people on the show, and at the end of my show, I would ask people, I'd be like, hey, man, you know, follow-up question, fun question, especially if it was, like, something heavy, like we're talking about trauma or addiction, mm-hmm. something like that. I'd be like, all right, what music are you listening to now? You go home, you lay on the couch, yeah, you yeah. know, you're you're washing the dishes, you're in the car. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people, like, especially, like, the business owners Good. that are like, it's just not important in my life. Uh-huh. I just don't listen to it, and, oh. and I'm, wow, yeah. Like I don't know everything about music. Like mm-hmm. you, you probably know a lot, lot more than <laughs> I do. But I, I can tell you that, like, I'm always listening to something. Mm. Oh man, you probably want to edit out that part where I call him psychopath, and then there we go. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's it's 
It's a weird thing, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, but I am who I am, you know? Like, you can look at the world in a certain way with a certain outlook, you know, whether that be music, politics, you know, mm -hmm. uh, society. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't share that, you're like, ah, that person's a weirdo. Mm. But music seems like such a such a common thread to everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I had this one dude on the show who who described it perfectly. He was this he was this orthopedic surgeon, and he goes, you know, when I'm in my OR mm -hmm. and I'm putting on music, he goes, music is energy. Mm -hmm. Music uh, it gets you in a certain mood. It enhances, you know. Uh, uh, how you're feeling already or or uh, mm. to a mood you want to go. Yeah. Do you find that a lot with the reception that you get when you're when you're putting on your your hour long program? Yeah, for sure. Um sometimes I mean, you know going in like that what you did was good or not. Um it's not really going to change over air. So, you know, if you have that feel if you get that flow, you get that feeling, you know, I know I'm going to play records that I love, like that definitely comes through. Um Especially when you you know you're grinding out, trying to find songs, and you're trying to connect them, and then you find that kind of that link between one song to another, and then you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then really when it comes to the studio and it just sounds like it does in your head or it sounds like you wanted to, then you kind of remember like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this. It's just you know, self-expression. Yeah, I I like that a lot. Yeah. So where where do you find this new material? I find. Th that when I listen to music, mm -hmm. I tend to listen to the same music, and I was like, "Why am I listening to this damn song again?" <laughs> I love it still, but I'm like, I got to branch out. Yeah. Um, for years, it's just been keeping your nose to the ground, always trying to stick to what's good. Um, a lot of what I do now is I have like labels I let that I like, like independent record labels. Um, it's probably like the biggest way I would like recommend to anyone as far as just trying to keep up with music um, because they do a lot of groundwork for you as far as like releasing and finding artists. And then all you have to do is just listen. So I have like pet labels that I always try to figure out what they're doing. Give me them. Um, Mahogany Music right here out of Detroit. Um, I would shout them out. Young Heavy Souls also out of Detroit. Um, Fresh Alex out of Portland, Oregon. Shout out to Kenny Fresh. Um, who else? Stones Throw out of Los Angeles. Um, they're they're pretty much legendary. They put out, you know, MF Doom records, um, and also like Mad Libs joints. Um, who else? Um, those would I say are the biggest ones, but also um, shall not shall not fade out of the UK. They put out like a lot of like techno house, like drum and bass records. Um, I'm going to forget one. I'm going to hate myself for doing that. But those are the ones I kind of stay I in rotation. I don't know any of them, yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm learning from you, man. Yeah, so yeah. I'll check them out, too. Yeah. Why do you think Detroit is like this this incubator of talent? I mean, you named two of them that are, mm -hmm. that are here locally. Yeah. Oh, man. I could probably do a whole other episode. But um, because I think it's just a legacy there as far as what, what started with Motown. Um, people want to uphold that, and they – what I think about that is that Detroit always wants to grow as far as what they're doing musically. They have like, you know, the techno scene, they have the jazz, they have, you know, soul, they you know, rock, they touch everything. And then they just want to keep growing as far as like, they never want to stay in one groove. Um, they always want to be on the cutting edge as far as what people are putting out there. I think Detroit has kind of always had something to say and, young artists, people getting started out, who people who are from here, 
they want to keep that legacy up as far as, you know, we talk about music. You can't talk about music without talking about Detroit. Do you think that's also a product of, like, uh, the mentality of the city that we live in? Hmm. It's like that that grind? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, because I think it's changed, but, I mean, you know, you and I growing up, I mean, people could talk about Detroit in a way that they can't do now um, as far as, you know, you know, looking down on it as far as, um, you know, what the city is. But that's changed recently. I think people have a lot more respect for what Detroit has been, what they are, and what they're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. But I I don't necessarily think I agree on the aspect that uh, good things aren't happening now. I, I know mm. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth. I know you didn't say that. But, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's notable artists out there, you know. Yeah. Race the Five Nine, Trick Trick, mm -hmm. Eminem, you know, Big Sean, obviously, yeah. just to name a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's exciting still, and I mean, I think uh, that torch has been passed again and again. I like using that metaphor of mm -hmm. the torchbearer, but uh, Detroit is a special place, man, and I don't know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's just uh, Detroit has always been an underdog, and I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's known around the world, yeah. you know, after we, we've gone through such turmoil and crash. Mm-hmm. But I think artistically, it's 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 been something special, man. Yeah, it's, it's kind of been that that nucleus. Yeah, for that sure. town. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, um, there's always just been a generation of music happening within the city. Yeah. I like to think about it. Uh, maybe this isn't an appropriate analogy, but when I think about food, right? So mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to food, I think of like a Places that were poor, right? Like mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe like certain Asian countries, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, don't have a lot of money. They didn't have like, you know, money for great cuts of meat or mm -hmm. and they made the most with what they had. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they would use maybe like parts of the animal or vegetables you wouldn't normally use. And it, it, it results in the best food mm -hmm. that everybody loves. And I think there's kind of a, a parallel that can be made to music that comes out of Detroit, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Um just be making be making the best out of what you have is, I think anyone who's been here would describe what they're doing in some fashion. Um, like I said, you don't you don't really have the resources that you would in um, Chicago or, or maybe not Chicago, but Los Angeles, New York are probably the biggest ones. Um, but you you know you're not really front of mind in that way, um, so maybe you have to work a little bit harder. And that's why I think kind of gives you that edge um, as far as, you know, we don't have all that, but at the same time, we're, make, we're making better music than you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, a couple comments about LA. I had read uh, a number of years ago, this article that, that just stated, you know, it's frustrating, uh, you know, creating music in LA because anything that's like up and coming, anything that's good or promising gets immediately gobbled up by mm -hmm. these, uh, these bigger production studios. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, while LA has always been known as, I guess, a musical city in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating for raw talent. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the other thing is that if you want to get something done as a professional artist, you don't record in LA, you record in Nashville. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, they have they have a, a ton of of uh, recording studios and it's all business, man. Yeah, yeah. They just they get it done up there. Yeah, yeah. 
I went down to Austin a couple of years ago, and Austin, it was, man, what a great place because every bar you go to, they have a, a live musical act. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, like people from Detroit, you know, you, I don't know if you know you, you'd ever see this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in a place like Detroit, but like down in Austin, it's the standard. Like people aren't coming to your place, your bar, your restaurant if you don't have a live act. Mm-hmm. And I heard that Nashville is actually number one ahead of that as far as live music. Live music, yeah. pumping out music. Yeah. That's exciting. It is. It is. As far as um, you talk about, you know, not being in New York or L.A., I mean, that's a, something to carry on your shoulder. Like, people from there are coming down here and maybe, I mean, Nashville's always been, like, front of mind as far as music, but that's something to kind of, in a sense, if, you know, if you're trying to build a scene, that's how you kind of know you're doing something right. What's your take on the music industry? Because we hear a lot of negative things about it. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's um, it works for probably five percent of the people who, who make music, and not necessarily much for maybe the other ninety-five percent. Um, hope my math was right on that one, but uh, it's something that I think can work better for a lot of people um but how that's going to be done is something that we're trying to or i don't say we but we as a society are trying to figure out um because it's just so much inequality and i just see people just struggling to be themselves just to make music and just make a living just doing art and I think people want that to be sustainable and right now for a lot of people it's not and I think it should be for you know if you have the courage to make music for a living I think there should be ways for you to be supported um, be appreciated and have your art be something that can, I guess in a sense, be, you know, sustainable for you uh, as far as making money uh, or making a living. Um, I don't think necessarily everyone wants to, you know, get some music for that, but if that's your goal, I think you should have more viable outlets as far as how your music can work for you. And right now it's just, the game just feels so rigged. Um, I can't speak for it so much as like as a, as a fan, but I get like little hints and whispers just by following artists and just having friends who are artists of sort of what it's like. And like what? Oh man. Um, just small example. Yeah. 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 Just, you just see little things like you just follow them on social media and they'll, they'll let something rip like off as far as like, you know, the royalties, um, Mm -hmm. what they get back from Spotify, um, and versus what they actually, their listenership was on Spotify. And then, you know, you know, you see some people have been bold enough to put out statements on it. Like I got $5 for like a million listens. Um, that's insane. Yeah. And then just, you hear experiences just being like in live music as far as, you know, I spent like, uh, you know, I had a show canceled, um, and that show was supposed to pay my rent for a month, and I, you know, I, I don't know what to do. So Damn. just stuff like that. Damn. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I hear nothing but bad things about the music industry. People mm-hmm. selling their soul, you know, just to make it, and then yeah. you know they're they're owned and they don't make the money, and mm-hmm. you know they're on contract to make six records over yeah. four years, and it's just it's it's a grind, and it's yeah. it's not sustainable, mm-hmm. you know. And I I personally have am of the mindset that everything's been perverted for money, man. Mm-hmm. Whether it's music or film or sex or you know whatever product. Um, and it's disappointing, mm-hmm. you know. I I think that there's a, a bottleneck of talent, mm-hmm. not of talent, but what gets put out there. Mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of talent. I think it's sad that people don't get highlighted, right? Yeah. Without, yeah. like you said, it's a kind of a rigged game. Yeah. You know, if you really want to become a superstar and be known, you got to go through the gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sad, dude. I think people because they don't get their their due respect mm-hmm. or attention. I mean, they fade away, man. Yeah, yeah. That's something you don't want to see as far as if it's someone that you believe in. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to jump and say, uh, you know, even with COVID, man, I, yeah. I, I heard this podcast where somebody was like, you know, a lot of these young artists that had momentum, e- even uh, stand-up comedians that had mm-hmm. momentum, people mm-hmm. were, were finding out who they were, mm-hmm. there was buzz out there, yeah, yeah. and then COVID hit, yeah. quarantine, and it was donezo. Yeah, yeah. I definitely saw that from a, lot, a couple of people I follow, um, artists that I know. Um, They've got their feedback, but that is, that's devastating. Um, how many times have you been in your life where you, you know, you've had momentum and then you just had the the, the rug ripped out in front of you? I have personally. Yeah, it's an so, awful feeling. It is. It is. So I mean, I mean, you made it back, but at the time, like, was that a good feeling? No. no. Some people never make it back. Never. Though. Yeah. You know. So who's doing good things uh, on the scene right now? Who's pushing the envelope? Ooh man. Oh. Uh, you know, people always ask me this, and you never know. But as soon as I leave here, I'm going to think about, like, 10 feet. You're like, man, I should have said it. You know what I mean? If you want to give it to me after you leave, I'll put it in the pre-roll and yeah. be like, RBJ says this yeah. is who's doing good things. <laughs> oh, man. I'll let me shout her out because I'm a huge fan. Um, Rebecca Goldberg, she is, like, always on the forth, forth, forefront of doing something dope. She's um DJ and producer out of um, Detroit. Um, I just love how she approaches music. She's always... I feel like she's just someone who's just like ten steps ahead of us. Um, she's like on the techno scene, the house, the techno scene. She's um, as far as like DJing and producing, but I just love how she just uh, always just like I just can't keep up with her. Um, but she's just someone I feel like just has like these cars to her chest, and like she's only showing us so much. But what she can actually do is just it just it's just out there. How does somebody do that though? Because for yeah. the the novice listener, yeah, yeah. I would even throw myself in that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have my electronic artists that I like, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of it can sound similar. Yeah. And I know that's a naive thing to say. However, you know, how do you how do you how do you stand out? How do you um, innovate? I guess mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's a situation where the questions are to answer. Uh, how do I stand out? How do I innovate? Mm-hmm. And I think when you think about that, that's really going to lead you down the road as far as actually doing that. So you would say probably that that's somebody that's a, that inspires you to push that envelope as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, how, man. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, for me personally? Yeah. Um, I would say being in, like, this legacy of just in radio, um, two of my biggest inspirations are Giles Peterson and um, Benji B. Um, and I think the legacy of just being on FM radio, being a DJ, being someone who participates that, 
and being someone who's in a way not really in that le- on that level, but is carrying on like that culture of just radio. That's something that always just inspires me um, because there's not a lot of us out there um, as far as people you know on FM radio. Um, it's a rare thing to get into, and it's a rare thing to like keep up because sometimes a lot of people start and necessarily finish. They keep it up this this long because it's hard to do like just week in week out. But um, having like you know like respect for that legacy as far as especially in Detroit, um, you know, is something that is always driven always kind of driven me kind of just knowing that I'm not you know as far as the biggest name in radio but just carrying on like the culture is something that's always been like just something that I always wanted to do that's cool man yeah so this is this is (laughs) this is gonna keep going for you what's (laughs) what's the uh what's the vision for the show um the vision I always had just keep getting better um when I'm doing, trying to figure out how to keep things better, um, how to be a better interviewer, how to be a better host, how to stay fresh as far as, you know, the music, staying on top of things, looking for new artists, looking for looking for people who want to express themselves and being a platform for that. Um, and just really just getting better is just the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Do you see yourself putting yourself out there more in terms of uh, your face or having more of a social media presence and kind of developing that? Because I understand that, you know, people like personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not to a point where it's going to do detract from the music. Music is always forefront. That's what the music is always front of mind. That's something I always want to make first. If I'm getting to a point where trying to do that, is making the show suffer, then no. Um, if that's something I can do to maybe get more music out there, I don't know. But I always want the music to be at the forefront of everything I do. And those are things I kind of feel like maybe distract from the goal at hand because the goal isn't me. This is not about me. This is about something a little bit more transcendent as far as loving something, self-expression, and just, you know, loving something and just trying to find the biggest platform, the biggest mountain you can, you just scream it out at the top of your lungs. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> let's, uh, let's end it there, but let's roll into my last couple questions here right. I got for you. So, yeah. uh, like I told you, my, mm-hmm. my last two, one is uh, – one is about your first concert. We've all been to one. Okay. I want to hear what yours was. Oh, man. First concert, um, I think it was 2011 or 2010, All-American Rejects at the um, whatever that that's, that um, concert, that place I have at Oakland University. Um, Meadowbrook. Meadowbrook, yeah. So Impressive. Was, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm liking this question because yeah. I'm getting a lot of different answers. Yeah. Mine was uh, Boys the Men. Oh, really? Yeah, how about that? Where I love this? Boys the Men, man, in yeah, middle yeah. school, man. <laughs> uh, where did I see him? I saw him at DT when it was uh, Pine Knob. Mm-hmm. That was fun, man. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Next question, Detroit. Mm-hmm. So we're all part of this 
gravity that is Detroit. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the mucus. Uh, oh, that came out wrong. <laughs> mucus. <laughs> about the musical legacy that it has, the grind, the talent. Um, what is this? What does this city mean to you? Um, I wouldn't be who I am today without the city of Detroit. It's been a tremendous, I guess, vector um, for for um, is the right I guess the right word to use as far as my growth as a person. Um, I'm not a native Detroiter. Um, I'm what some people call suburbanite, um, but Detroit has been a place, and the people who live there who call that place home have always just embrace me. Um, I think, you know, if you come to that city with the right intentions, um, the right state of mind, and you come there to make that a better place, it's uh, the people there are always going to embrace you. Um, and it, it's been something that I've noticed to be true, you know, time and time again. Um, that is something that, you know, for the rest of my days, I always have a lot to thank Detroit for as far as, you know, the music, the people there have just been a tremendous part of how I've grown recently. Damn. Yeah. I like that. You've always been from Michigan though, right? No, I was um, born in Alabama. Uh, came up here when I was about five. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to throw in there, either uh, about yourself that uh, maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring <laughs> up or uh, anything about Friday Night Groove? Uh, FridayNightGroove.com for people who are listening to this. Um, I believe 7 p.m. We're still trying to get the, the time slot sought out for the winter or 2022, but 7 p.m. Um, should be uh, on 88.3 WXOU. Um, usually most people listen to the recording or the podcast of the show. Um, those get thrown up every Sunday, but, you know, FridayNightGroove.com, there's an option for a newsletter there, so if you're not into social media, it's another way to keep up the show. Um, but if um, if if somebody wants to connect with you, I mean, is there a contact on there? Yeah, so just email there. Uh, I have a show like a public facing email, um, which is fngwxou at gmail dot com. Um, you can also follow me on tr- Twitter at <laughs> Trill Gunderson. That's uh, my very weird Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> and then um, DJ underscore RBJ at, on Twitter. RBJ, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. It's been a pleasure.